Hey there, I am Heidi Powell and you have made it to Heidi's Lane. I am a mom of four beautiful kids, a health enthusiast, and an entrepreneur who, just like everybody else, is learning to navigate the joys, the grief, the love, the messes, and everything in between on this beautiful highway we call life. Now, nothing is off the table here in my lane, so I invite you to cozy up, grab a cup of coffee, join me right here on my couch for real, raw, vulnerable conversation that hopefully helps you learn and grow through this journey with me. I am so grateful you are here. Welcome to Heidi's Lane. Well, hello there. Uh, it is early on a Monday morning, very early on a Monday morning. I am fresh out of bed right now. And um, I decided I'm going to go ahead and throw a podcast in um, to divide up some of what you've been watching. So if you've been following from the beginning, you got the first podcast, which was real and raw, and it was the intro and all of my fears. Uh, and then you got the second podcast and the third, which was me and Kira together, who's absolutely amazing. I love her. Um, we had really, really great conversation about a handful of different things. The beginning of this podcast, starting something new. Uh, we talked about my name change. We talked about a lot of different things. So if you have not watched those podcasts, please go do because there were some really great lessons about letting go um, to create room for what is anew. And um, I actually, and I, as I mentioned in those, those are pre-recorded. I have two more uh, pre-recorded with Kira that are going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks. But I wanted to interject this week and just pop in because this will be the first podcast I've recorded since Heidi's Lane was introduced to the world since it went live. And um, we're close to Halloween. Uh, tomorrow is Halloween. <clears throat> and uh, I just want to say thank you more than anything. I want to thank you because the feedback, the overwhelming feedback that I've gotten from you guys on this podcast is something I did not expect. Um, I don't know what I did expect because I had a friend that said, well, what did you expect? Um, I think I really did expect that 10 people would listen. <laughs> um, I think maybe sometimes I get so sick of hearing my own voice that I just assume that everyone else is sick of hearing my voice as well. And maybe I'm not alone in um, sharing that struggle. And maybe... Maybe some of you out there can relate to that. And I, uh, when I dive into it, I'm like, okay, well, it makes sense because I am the only one on the planet listening to every single word that is spoken inside of my head. And I've shared it before. I don't think I've shared it on the podcast. Maybe I have, but uh, it's been said that there are between 60 and 70,000 thoughts that run through our minds each and every day. So like my mind and your mind individually has 60 to 70,000 thoughts running through it in any given day. And I think it was something like 90% of those thoughts are negative or 
uh, maybe it's 85% of the thoughts are negative. 90% of the thoughts are actually on auto repeat. So we don't even know that we're having the same thoughts that we had yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before and the day before. And if so many of them, that vast majority of those thoughts are negative, right? (laughs) We are actually programming our brains to think negatively. And actually, this was a great example for me to believe, to wrongly believe that um, this podcast wouldn't have impact. Um. That was the result of some negative self-talk, which I did talk about in episode one. So I do want to thank you. Uh, your guys' messages, um, there were a lot of different messages that I got uh, through DMs, through email, through text message, for those of you that have my phone number. Um, and I think the message that meant the most to me um, were those of you who sent a message saying, hey, if this podcast is only for one, I want you to know that I am the one. And I saw that message over and over and over. I am the one. This podcast has impacted me in a huge way. I am one of the ones. So thank you for that. Thank you. I really, really do appreciate it. Um, and we're still working out the kinks in what this podcast is, how it's going to feel and look and all the different things. One thing I do want to say is we did set up an email. So there's an email that is specific for comments, questions, uh, feedback that you have. If you have different ideas for things you want to hear, it's podcast at HeidiPowell.net. So email me, let me know, um, and I'd be happy to hear from you. I actually want this to be a podcast that yes, it's for me and my healing. And also, um, I want it to be something that gives you what helps you too. I'm uh, doing this for me first, and for the world second, which is a whole new shift on how I'm doing things in my life. Um, but yeah, I, I think there were three quotes that have seemed to be posted or um, DM to me quite a bit things that you had gotten out of those last few podcasts. The first one is fear can have a voice, but fear does not get a vote by John Acuff. Really, really, really great. Um, really great quote. And truly, uh, fear for me oftentimes in my life has such a loud voice that I feel like it deserves a vote. And real power for me is in recognizing that just because someone says something does not make it real. Whether it's a hater on the outside, someone who doesn't believe in what I'm doing on the outside, or my own voice in my head, my own fears, right? It does not matter how loud that voice is, how loud that person is that's speaking at you how strong they are, how scary they are. They do not get a vote unless you allow them to have a vote. So I love that quote. It applies to so many different things. The other thing I really, really loved that um, had resonated with many of you guys is when I had shared what Jack Canfield shared with me was, I'm not here to teach you. I'm here to love you. And through my love, you will be taught. 
I that really, really, really resonates with me, especially this week as I am sitting here right now recording this podcast with some of the same fears that came about the first week, right? That very first week when I was launching the podcast and those fears were so loud. Here I am with some of the same fears and maybe even a new bag of fears because the feedback on the podcast has been so overwhelmingly positive that the voice in my head says, Heidi, you're never going to be able to keep it up. Like that was just a fluke. Like, yeah, the first few episodes have resonated. People loved it and they helped them, but you'll never be able to keep this up for them. And so automatically that like, oh my gosh, there's a pressure. It's doing well. People love it. I have to be, I have to show up next week as whatever they need me to be. That's what happens in my brain. When something does well, and I think you can maybe relate to in your life, when you do well at something and people praise you for it, then it plants something in your head like, oh my gosh, these people are proud of me. Now I have to keep showing up great for them. Okay, how do I show up great? What do I need to do to be great? How do I... Be and then we end up putting on more and more of a, a, a facade, not, not a facade. We end up putting on more and more of a mask to be great. Or we think, okay, in order to be loved, to be enough, to be accepted, because I just felt acceptance. Okay, who was that? Wait, what did I give them? Let me give them the same thing, right? And so that pressure actually this last week, like, man, our future podcast, am I, am I going to be great in the future for you guys? <laughs> and... And then the pressure of like, okay, what am I going to talk about next? What am I going to, what do they want? What do I, it's like I was suddenly caught up in the same rat race that I had been caught up in previously that had me feeling like I was going to crumble, you know? And I was expressing this to a friend of mine the other day on his back patio. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if this podcast was a good idea because they love it. And what if I can't give them more of what they love? Like, I don't know who I need to be. I don't remember who I was. I haven't listened to any of, as I record, I'll, I'll pause for a second, you guys. When I record a podcast or I record a video, I made a choice years ago never to listen to myself after I record. Because if I listen, I'm going to pick myself apart and then I'm going to want to re-record and it's never going to get out to the world. So I've decided as I record, I give it to my team to edit or figure out what, you know, if it's too long or if the sound is bad or whatever it is. And that way I don't have to listen and pick apart what I said. <laughs> and then it goes out to the world. So that's a great thing because it actually keeps my perfectionism from stopping things from getting out to the world for the most part fear can stop it. Uh, but it's also a hard thing because when I'm not hearing what I'm saying, there's a part of me that when the response is coming back for this podcast and you guys are telling me things that you loved, I'm going, oh my gosh, what did I say? I need to make sure I present that same thing to them. And my friend was like, stop. You got to stop. You're putting way too much pressure on who you need to be when Heidi, the only person you need to actually be is yourself and what they're gravitating toward and what is magnetic is who you are. 
And that doesn't come with anything prepped or primed or even thought through. Like you, in your raw state, when you walk into a room, you connect with people. And I think that was a really, I mean, it made me cry. And it was a really huge lesson for me and something that I think most people don't recognize or realize. The most beautiful part of who we are is the part of us that's not trying to be anything at all. It's the part of us that is just being what we are. It's being inside of God's creation, right? It's just being our authentic, our true selves. And it's so hard, right? It's so hard for us to truly grasp that who we are at our core, without the skills and the uh, praise or whatever, without all the things layered, the makeup, um, it's hard to believe that that is enough. But not only is that enough, that is the most enough version of who we are. So I'm sitting here today with um, my Halloween pillows all around me. (laughs) Got my AirPod cord right there. Uh, I got my messy papers with a bunch of notes and um, I decided I'm just going to flow. I have decided that I do my best work. And I think I I would argue to say you do your best work the same way. Um, And that is when you are raw and open to what God wants you to do. Um, So here I am, uh, open. I'm keeping myself open to sharing whatever message I believe God wants me to share with you because I think that's why I'm here and that's why this podcast is here. Um, It's not for me. It's for him. So one of the things I wanted to do today, um, I wanted to just answer some of the questions that I saw coming through quite a bit. Uh, And just questions that, and I don't know how many I'm going to get to. I have 15 (laughs) questions right here. And I think we all know that I could literally talk for an hour on every single question. So I'm going to try to get through a few that I know you're wanting. All right, the first question I want to answer that I got quite a bit from you guys was you wanting to know the name of the book that Kira, my friend Kira in the last couple of episodes had referenced um, when she told an amazing story um, about a tree that struggled to let go of its leaves. And by, you know, with its struggle to let go of its leaves, it actually halted its growth. So all of the other trees around this little tree, when autumn came and it was time for leaves to fall, they all released their beautiful leaves to the ground, uh, knowing with full faith, or I guess having full faith, that by releasing leaves of old, no matter how much they meant, growth would actually happen. Well, little tree loved its leaves so much and was so grateful for those leaves. And while the leaves were no longer serving him because they had all turned colors, right? They were dying. He would not release the leaves because he didn't want to let them go. And as a result, he wasn't able to grow. So all of the other trees grew. Little tree did not grow because there was so much fear of releasing the old to make room and make space for the new. 
And it was definitely a beautiful lesson um, in letting go and a reminder that while it's so hard for us, like sometimes we know in our heart of hearts that what we're currently holding on to, we're aware that it's no longer serving us. And we are aware that while it served us previously, and we are so grateful for that thing, um, it does become a weight that will indeed halt or limit our growth until we courageously put it down or allow it to fall like little tree needed to let its leaves fall to sustain the growth that he wanted or needed or was capable of. Um, it's a really, really beautiful story. Uh, go back to the last episode if you want to hear more around that because we did talk about the, the, the fears and the struggles that come with taking that big, scary leap into the unknown um, so that what is meant for us can find us and the growth that we are wired to experience can actually happen. But the name of the book, um, for those of you that want to go check it out, it's called Little Tree by the author is Lauren Long, L-O-R-E-N-L-O-N-G. Um, really, really cute book. And it's a thing that I highly recommend you picking up. Um, I don't know how podcasts, how the description works, but maybe we'll try and get an, a link in the description so you can find it when you go check out, when you look at the, the description to this. The next question I'm going to go to, this is a, a harder question maybe, but I'm going to go there just for an update because I think this is a question that you guys ask quite a bit. Um, uh, a lot of people, and, and we will talk a little bit more about this in future episodes. I'll let you know. Um, but also this podcast does not exist for this reason and this reason alone. So I want to be careful how much I touch on it. Um, a lot of people asking how I am right now after Dave. Um, so at this point in time, which this is end of October, 2023, um, I am still healing and I am more healed um, than I've ever been, but there's still a ways to go. Um, and it's, it's, you know, grief, I've said it before, grief is like a thumbprint and it's individual and it's unique for every single person. And I, what I found through this process is um, sometimes I expect everyone to understand how I feel and it's not possible for them to, you know? Um, and, 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 and that's okay that they don't. Um, I've mentioned it and before and I'll say it again, Dave and I were broken up when he passed away. And I think for that reason, there are a handful of people that are like, oh, it shouldn't affect you or you shouldn't be feeling it the way that you do. Um, and to that, I have to let them have their opinion. Um, and then I have to just walk my path. And what's interesting for me is, yeah, while we 
were broken up for reasons I'm not going to go into today. Um, he still was the person that I was the absolute closest to on the planet, probably ever. Um, the, it, some, someone had said to me once, and I really appreciate this uh, thought. They said, it, it's not the width that matters. It's the depth. And I believe what they meant by that is it's not the number of years you've been with a person. It's the depth of relationship. And by depth, that does not just mean romantic, like how romantic were we? Because we, for a huge portion of our relationship, it was not a romantic relationship. We had a deep friendship. We had a deep relationship where um, we were as vulnerable to each other as maybe we knew how to be. And um, we tried to help each other through some of what we were struggling with. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the only person that can really get us through certain struggles um, is ourself, right? But because of the nature of our relationship and just how uh, deep of a um, of a connection, how deep the trust was between us. That's what it was. Um, I trusted him to see all of me and to love me, not necessarily as a girlfriend, but to love me for all of who I was and all of who I wasn't. And that is such a beautiful thing for someone to see the ugliest parts of you and to still choose to have you as a friend. And and same. I think to the best of Dave's ability, he knew that he could trust me um, to show me a as much of him as he was able to show me and know that what he showed me, I was going to love him, right? And I don't want to confuse when I say love, I, I, I am not talking about loving as a romantic partner. I am talking about loving as a human being. Um because every human deserves to be loved, right? And I think what we both tried to do for each other was to, at least what I tried to do was to say, hey, you don't need to be anything you're not in order to be enough. Take the pressure off, take the mask off, and just be who you are and let yourself receive the love that God designed us to receive. Um, and so, yeah, it, losing a best friend, um, was not fun. And, um, there's a part of me for a very long time that, uh, believed that, and, and maybe <clears throat> still, I don't know that, um, I, I just haven't, I, I know it's possible. I know at some point there will be someone that can see all of me again and love me for all of who I am. Um, but it, but it was hard to lose that hard to, and, and really hard um, to understand the struggles that existed. Some of which I did not know. And, and, and it just made me feel like, you know, there was a part of me that wondered if I could have, should have, 
done something different that could have would have saved and i know better than having any coulda woulda shouldas you know someone once said the worst thing you can do is should all over the place like stop shooting stop shooting all over the place and i was like that's brilliant because there's no should ofs in this there's no could ofs there's no would ofs there just is what is and um uh, as for me, though, I, I am, uh, and, and I've mentioned this before, it has been a humongous priority shifter for me, just in general. <clears throat> it's been a very interesting existential awakening. I wouldn't call it an existential crisis, although sometimes I feel like maybe there's crisis, right? Because there's sadness, there's a realization of our mortality and a remembrance that I'm not getting any of these days back. I What I have today with my kids is all that I have. I may not have tomorrow. Um, they may not have tomorrow with me. You just don't know. And um, there are times where truly in my mind, I'm like, man, am I going crazy? Because I realize we're all going to die. And then I'm like, no, I actually think most human beings walk around not realizing that this life ends, that the life that we are living as we know it does not last forever. And I think most of us live as if um, it goes on infinitely until we have the stark realization through someone close to us being lost that it doesn't. So I do appreciate that it has slowed me down a lot. It's had me not caring about the things that I used to care about. Like, I don't think before, I know this is such a small thing, but it's a very simple um, example, an easy to understand example. I don't think before I would have gotten on a podcast first thing in the morning with no makeup on and talked because I cared way too much about how I looked. And I realize now there are things that are so much more important than how I look. Um, and I also realize that everyone's going to have an opinion of how I look, how I'm showing up, and that's okay. And it doesn't really matter, you know. Um, what matters is that I'm waking up each, each and every single day living a life that I know is aligned with my God and my contract with my God. And I am living out whatever purpose He has for me. Um, and I'm not getting caught up in the rat race that I think so many of us get caught up in. I think we're almost wired to get caught up in the rat race. We're wired to hustle. We're wired to only feel like we are enough when we are producing at high efficiency, right? Like as a mom, we are wired to believe that we have to keep the house clean and do the laundry and do all the different, and also maintain a full-time job and raise the family and nurture the family and provide and, and do it all perfectly with our hair done nicely and our makeup on and dressed in our finest. And um, I realize now that that's not that's not uh, that's not the key to happiness for me. 
And it might be to some people, it's not for me. I think the key to happiness is knowing that every single day um, that I wake up, I'm spending with the ones that I love, with genuine, real, authentic interaction, and um, the kind of interactions that will have me on my deathbed, knowing that I gave enough and they got enough from me. Um, I had a day, a moment, it was two days ago. I, um, yeah, I still cry over Dave. I do. And I think to be fair in, uh, probably for a while in my, probably well into my relationships of the future, um, I'll probably still mourn him and I'll probably still grieve him. And I actually have made a choice that, um, when I enter a committed relationship, I'm not going to hide or um, blunt my <clears throat> my feelings that I am still processing with Dave. Um, and I, I it's very important to me because I feel like sometimes the excitement of something new can numb what you're meant to process and you're meant to feel. And the fear of being inside of a new relationship and oh my gosh, if they see me crying over Dave or know that I'm still sad that I lost my best friend or no, whatever it is, then what if they don't choose me? Right? <clears throat> and I've decided that the right person or the right people for me in the future will be people that understand um, what I'm going through, or at least can say, hey, I don't understand, but I'm choosing to trust you and I'm choosing to do my best to understand. Um, but just the other day, uh, my good friend, Drew Manning, I don't know if you know who Drew is. Um, he was doing, he's somatic breath work certified. So he went and got a certification in somatic breath work, which is amazing, by the way. And Drew did a session for me and a friend um, via Zoom. So he got over Zoom and he did this hour-long somatic breathwork session where you are guided through um, deep breathing followed by some different, um, at different intensities. So you're guided through deep breathing at different guided intensities. And the whole idea of breath work is to, number one, it oxygenates your brain and your body in a way that um, really, it, it, it's really awesome, you guys. It is life changing to me. But it actually can create like the, a chemical high um, with the chemicals in your body. So you actually feel um, <clears throat> there's so much gratitude and so much joy and so much, uh, at least for me, these are the emotions that came to the surface for me. And also as you're going through these breathwork sessions, you're stirring up emotions that may have been trapped or stuck in that you haven't felt for a while. And I was in the middle of this somatic breathwork session and I've done a handful of breathwork classes over the past eight months since Dave's passing. It's been a thing that has kept me in the here and now. Um, it keeps me present. It can take my agitated nervous system and immediately bring me peace, like bring me home into my body. 
Uh, breathwork is such a beautiful thing. I know I've talked about it before on the podcast. I'll probably talk about it a lot in the future. Well, I had never experienced the kind of a breathwork session that I did with Drew last week where about halfway through, all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, what is this emotion? Like what the heck is coming up? I'm with, there's someone here and there's Drew right there on you know, Zoom, I can't let them see me crying. And so I tried to hold it in. And the more I tried to hold in the crying, the more I just was uncontrollably almost um, twitching, right? I couldn't hold it. And I kept the breath going. And before long, I was just sobbing. And the only face I could see was Dave's. And it was a um, it was a reminder to me that there is still grief there. There is still stuff to process. There's still stuff to heal from. And that maybe in the busyness of my life lately, because it has gotten a lot busier with different trips we've taken for fall break and um, the launch of this podcast and getting a few of my businesses um, going again, because I'm back in creation, which is awesome to be in a place where I'm in creation. Um, but that creation and that busyness does tend to numb for me. It tends to numb or be a painkiller for the pain that still exists. And so having that moment of release was such a beautiful thing. And when the session was over, I sat there with Drew on FaceTime or Zoom and just uncontrollably sobbed in such a safe setting um, because Drew is safe and I appreciate him for that. Um, but yeah, um, that I, I, that's, I will say I'm, I'm doing well and I'm still healing. Um, I am going to go back to what I just said though. Something that is super exciting to me is that I am finally in a place of creation. Um, I had, I, I, I had many, many months of what felt like a dark winter. And I think that started in, in about December before Dave passed. There was a lot. It was like, hey, I'm letting go of certain parts of my business. And then, you know, February hit and it's like, oh my gosh, now I'm letting go of my best friend. And then it's like, I just sat in, and I don't want to say I sat, I allowed myself to exist inside of a dark winter. And we're all meant to go through these beautiful seasons. So that dark winter was the thing that allowed me to create and pour a foundation and to allow that foundation to firm and solidify uh, in preparation for a beautiful spring. And spring is the season that we all will go through after a winter when we start to get excited about creating again. And this actually is a new thing for me. So just recently over the past month, and maybe it even happened with the release of the podcast, um, I'm excited about creation. I'm excited about creating different things for you guys and creating different things for me and for my family and creating just in general, like we as human beings are made to create 
And when we are not creating, as I mentioned in podcast number one, we are actually dying. Um, I've listened to a handful of uh, lessons and podcasts and teachings on creation recently, and I'm really excited to share. I'm going to do a whole separate podcast on creation. Um because it is, it is what will pull us out of any single rut is getting back into creation. But one thing I do want to say is that we can't always force creation. And if you're in a space where you do not feel like you're meant to create right now, I do not want you to be hard on yourself. I want you to listen to yourself. I want you to remember that your body and your brain and your soul is in a season right? We have the fall season, which is when we are preparing to let go. So maybe you're in that fall season where you're like, hey, there are things I need to let go of. You're preparing to let go your little tree. And you have these leaves and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to, I don't want, I don't want to let, I don't want to let go. I don't want to let go. I don't want to let go. But I need to let go. I know I need to let go. Right? And then in the winter, that's when those leaves have fallen. So the leaves have fallen, you've let go. And it's really, sometimes that winter can be dark. It can be cold. It can be hard. That winter is when, at least for me, the most growth is happening. And it's the growth that is under the surface. And it's the growth that you usually aren't seeing, but you feel, you feel in your gut and you know you're exactly where you're supposed to be. As long as you are not judging yourself for not creating right? So if you are in a winter, do not judge yourself. Because in due time, you will enter a season of spring where you are felt called to create again. You will feel excited about creation. But allow yourself the rest that you are inside of right now. Allow yourself the rest that you feel that you need so that when creation is sparked or triggered again, you are excited about it. And what's cool is that creation could be anything, right? And then in summer, you're full on, you're full blown going again. So um, yeah, it's really cool for me to be in a space where uh, creation's happening. I'm doing some stuff. I have, I don't, I mean, I don't really talk about it much, but I do have a, I've had this for a couple of years now. I have a coaching program. It's a nutrition coaching program where I have coaches that um, are trained, have been trained for um, many, many years under me. And they have been coaches for me and some of the programs I've run, and they're really great. So I'm focusing on growing that. Um, I'm putting a lot of focus into my app, my show up app. It's show up dot or show up fit dot app is the URL for my fitness app. It has a ton of really great programs. And then this podcast. And what's cool is I have decided that anything I'm doing in this phase, um, it will come secondary to my own health and my kids. So I guess it's coming third because number one is myself and my relationship with God. That is number one, numero uno. Number two is my relationship with my kids. And then the third thing is if I, I believe if I put those first, if I put my relationship with myself and my God, number one, and my relationship with my kids second, I believe God will provide. I believe he will lay out the path for me to make the other things happen, to allow my career and my work and my passion to uh, grow at whatever rate it's supposed to grow. 
um, enough to number one, provide for us and number two, provide for you. And it's been really, 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 really cool to see this happen. It's been really cool for me to trust God enough to let go of my businesses in the season that I did in that fall season that right before the winter hit, I let go of them. And to see God show up for me and to provide for me to have let go of things that I was like, man, if I don't have this income, I'm only going to last until this month, right? I already knew the month I was only going to last until, and then I was going to run out. And God really did show up for me. And he found some pretty cool ways for me to generate income um, and provide for my family while being home um, in a way that they all needed in a way that I needed, and in a way that I think you guys needed as well. Um, I had someone tell me, they said, hey, I hope you know that what you're doing and how you're living right now is giving me permission to do the same. You taking a step back and being with your kids and working on yourself and learning your new relationship with God is giving me permission to step back from who I think I need to be to be enough and step into being who I'm meant to be and who I want to be with myself and my kids and my God. And so I really hope that that's something that many of you guys are getting out of this. I mean, you guys, there are so many more questions I could get to. So many. You guys have some really great stuff. The one thing I, I think is a pretty uh, good segue what we're talking about i had a lot of questions about um i had a lot of questions about the no cell phone retreat that i did you guys remember it was end of august i did something super scary for me and i decided to give up my cell phone and to give up my computer and attend a retreat um, to focus on me. And I, I actually, the, right after Dave passed, my good friend, Jamie, Kern Lima, she and I, I, I mean, that whole time period, this must have been the day or two after he passed. She and I were talking on the phone and all I remember is it was an hour and a half long conversation. And the only other thing I remember is her saying, hey, you're not going to remember any of this. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 Jamie, I'm going to remember all of it. And she said, I'm telling you right now, you are in a phase where you are experiencing such um, shock that you're not going to remember this conversation. She said, so if there's one thing you remember, I want you to remember that when you are ready, there is a healing center of sorts that... I believe can help you with um, this trauma and with trauma connected to generational patterns that um, are rooted inside of us that maybe we don't even understand exist. And I, I do remember thinking, okay, I'm, I actually said to her, I'm in, like, just give me the name of it and I will go today. And she said, no, I want you to wait you should wait until you've worked through or thought through or felt your way through some of this grief. And then, 
let me know. And so what was interesting is uh, that was February. It must have been June, February, March, April, May. Yeah, it was in June. I was on a flight home from somewhere and I was just in tears. And it was, it was like the past four months, I had been numb after Dave's passing. Like there was so much to do. We had, there we, um, Dave and I had, you know, uh, we had a life together. We had certain things together. And so it was kind of getting some of that figured out was a lot and just trying to figure out what my mornings are like waking up without a text from him. Um, and what my nights were like, not going to bed or going to bed without saying goodnight to him. Gosh. It was actually um, on my way home from, I think it was California, which was July. And I remember crying and thinking i'm ready like i i'm in a good even tears don't mean you're in a bad place and i think that sometimes is a misconception that i would love to straighten out right now when excuse me when we cry and we feel loss and we feel pain we can also feel joy and we can feel happiness and we can feel peace right and i that whole season i believe i had a lot of that i believe i had every single emotion and it all was a beautiful potpourri of uh, pain and gratitude and sadness and grief and loss and joy and thankfulness and humor and happiness at some of the funny times that we had together right and i was sitting on this flight though and i was i was feeling all of the feelings so anything that may have been deferred due to busyness or shock suddenly had made manifest in my body and i knew it was okay it's time it is time for me to go away for a while. It's time for me to be even more disconnected from the world. Although I had already disconnected quite a bit from social media, it was time to really disconnect from the world. And so I ended up calling Jamie and saying, okay, what's this place? I don't even, I don't know what it is, but I'm ready. Like I've never been more ready to work on me. I feel like I'm in a good place. I feel like my foundation that I poured, the cement is beginning to dry now. And before I figure out what's next in my life, before I enter a space of creation or spring, uh, before I start to introduce anything, I want to go be with me and only me in nature or whatever the heck this is. I don't know. Do we do like yoga all day? Do we do breath work all day? I had no idea what I was in for. And I just said, let's, let's do it. Give me the info. So she gave me the information. I called, I immediately registered, immediately paid. And, um, I remember thinking if I get nothing out of this more than a full week of not having access to my phone or the outside world, that is a win. For the dollar amount that I paid, I will be grateful 
to come out of to have I, I haven't had a week of no phone or no computer since high school. Like since, because cell phones didn't exist for me back then, right? So that was like the last time I remember having a week where no one could get a hold of me. And there was definitely some fear. It's like, oh my gosh, okay, well, what if something happens to my kids? Or what if something happens to me? Or something happens to my mom? Or you start thinking through all of these scenarios, these unreal fear scenarios. It's false evidence appearing real. Um, but then I had to be like, you know what? The, the, they they got a main line. If anyone calls, they'll be good. So uh, this place is called Onsite. This is not an ad um, I, I at all. I don't work with them. I uh, paid full tuition to go. And um, it was a really, really amazing thing. So it's Onsite. I did the one in Nashville, Tennessee. They have two different locations. They have one in, I believe it's somewhere around LA or just outside of LA. Maybe it's in LA. Um, it's somewhere along the coast. Um, and then they have their main one is in Nashville, Tennessee, or the one that existed first. And it is on thousands of acres of beautiful land with horses and rolling hills and log cabins and streams. And oh my gosh. So I chose that one because I knew it wasn't the beach that I needed. I didn't want an ocean view. I get that quite a bit. I wanted to be surrounded. If I was not going to have my phone, I was not going to have my computer. I wasn't going to have anyone in my life that I knew. And I was really going to dive into myself. I wanted to be as in touch with nature as I could possibly be. Um, so I went to their Nashville location and it was just unreal. Amazing. And I will say I had no idea <laughs> what I was in for. Um, no idea. I had no clue the impact other people's stories would have on me. I had no clue, like what I believed I was going in there for. And I had intentions. I had my goals. I said, this is what I want to get out of this. Um, and they were fulfilled, but they were fulfilled in a way I did not at all expect. And I... um I, I I hesitate to give too much information on what went down or what it was like there um, because me trying to explain that is like, for anyone who's had a baby, it's like so, if someone had tried to explain to us what having a baby, what labor and actually being a mom was like before we'd ever been pregnant or had kids right? There's absolutely no way to understand what being a mom is like until you were actually a mom. Same with getting married, right? When people back in the, the day would try and tell us, hey, here's what it's like to be married. Never registered until you're actually married. And you're like, oh, this is the shit that you deal with when you're married. This is what being married is. This is the joy that comes with it. This is the pain. Experience though, is truly the only way to understand what something is like. So if, here's what I will say, uh, you really have to be ready to dive in to um, the darkest, most unprocessed parts of who you are. If you are in a place where you are ready to dive in to those dark or hard or untapped parts of who you are, which must, 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 must be addressed and be identified um, in order 
for you to reach your peak potential as a human being and as a soul. I believe for our soul progression, for our soul's path, we have to be willing to dive into the parts of us that are the hardest for us to look at in the mirror. Um, and we have to be willing to bring them forward and um, bring them to light so that we can start to work on clearing them up. Um, but inside of this uh, center, my, my kids call it my treatment center. And you know, it kind of was, and, and I'm okay with that. It, it was not, you know, rehabilitation for anything, but it was my own soul's treatment, right? You could call it, it's like a self-improvement thing, but it, it was treatment for my heart and for my soul and for my spirit. But we had these small groups and these, my group, oh my gosh, if any of them are listening, I want you guys to know how much I love you all. Um, we had a very special group of eight. And within five days, I would say within two days, I was immediately family with these people. Um, and they with me and they with everyone in the group. And we still connect. Um, we still have a texturing that goes off every single day <laughs> between us um, because each and every one of us became so raw and so vulnerable in this very, very safe cocoon. Um, and I would even venture to say, and this is pretty vulnerable of me to share here on this podcast. Um, I think of the group and I'm a very vulnerable person. I think I, at the end of the experience, I identified to a couple people in the group that I may have been the least vulnerable of anyone in the group because it was scary for me. It was scary for me. You you go in and you don't say who, you can't really say your full name. You don't say what business you're in. And there was a part of me in that that was like, oh my gosh, what if I share things that are dark and that are deep and that are hard and that I'm still carrying shame for in a group of people who don't right now know that I have an online presence, but at some point they probably will. And what if that stuff gets shared with the world? And what if, you know, it's all the fears of like, what if I open the kimono and what people see is not what they expect, you know? Um, and so I do think I was somewhat guarded in that experience as far as processing my own stuff. Um, it, but man, it was super inspiring and super beautiful to see these other seven individuals truly dive in and show parts of themselves that had me I, I, watching and hearing them share um, had me in tears for them and uh, ha had me in tears for them and for the parts of me that connected with what they were sharing more so than the tears I shed for myself as I was sharing, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, gosh, guys, the power of community and the power of vulnerability. I hope these seven people know just how much they actually impacted me and um, shifted the way that I parent. Because in each of my group mates um, and their sharing, I was able to see parts of my kids and um, 
even parts of how I am as a mom or how I've been as a mom that might have caused some trauma in my kids. And so it was a real, I think that week for me was, it was a real come to Jesus moment with the kind of parent that I um, have been and the kind of parent that I need to be if I want my kids to be happy. And that's ultimately what I want. And if I want me to feel fulfilled as a parent, which is ultimately, ultimately what I want, because at the end of the day, I think we all know I can't control my kids' happiness. And we can't, I can't control anyone's happiness, right? But if I feel fulfilled and like I created the space for my kids that they needed, um, then that's a job well done. And my intention going in there, to, I mean, just to lay it out there, my intention was to know when the time is right to begin creating again, and when the time is right, what is right to create and what does not need to be created so that I can maintain the best, most sturdy foundation for myself, my kids, and my future family. And so it was really great. And I, I mean, I got so much out of it. I think one of the big um, eye-opening or one of the big lessons that I brought home with me was, <clears throat> uh, I guess, let me say it this way. The biggest questions that popped in my head, the biggest question, I guess the biggest question that popped in my head um, throughout this experience was, because in this room, feelings are encouraged and that you're very safe to have feelings. Uh, one of the biggest questions that popped in my head was, do I and have I provided the space for my kids to feel and experience their feelings enough over their lifetime? And I think the answer is no, I haven't. And so, I mean, I, I, if we think about it, it's like when a child or one of my kids cries over something, my automatic reaction in the past has always been, wait, what, why are you crying? You don't need to cry over that. You Come on, you have this, let, let, let's toughen up, right? Like that is how I'm a very um, tough love kind of a parent. And I think sometimes that tough has blunted feelings and emotions that my kids absolutely are entitled to feel and need to feel. And so I went home. I mean, all that would run through my mind is, oh my gosh, here's how I've damaged my kids. Here's how I damaged. I mean, I was seeing probable, almost inevitable futures for my kids playing out if my course had not corrected. So if I had gone on being the kind of parent that I was, and I thought I was a great parent, right? I mean, I knew that there was work to do, but I love my kids deeply. But if I had not course corrected, I could foresee what that probable, almost inevitable future would have been. And it's not the future that I wanted for myself with my kids. And it was not the future that I wanted for my kids for themselves. Um, so going home, I implemented a couple new things every single day. Every day, I do a feelings check-in for my kids every day. Hey, how are you feeling? And then whatever comes out, no matter how small or big it is, I let it come out. Um, another thing is when Ruby, for example, gets hurt or she hits her elbow on something, <laughs> right? My automatic reaction of the past is like, oh, rub some dirt on it. You'll be fine. Hey, toughen up, toughen up. You're good. You're good. You're good. Right. And instead of telling her she's good, 
I've decided to let her be how she is and to let her know that it's beautiful and exactly what it's supposed to be. So allowing space for my kids to feel all of the feelings, even if it's uncomfortable to me as their parent to witness if we're in a public space, that's okay. Like my discomfort can be there and her pain can be felt. Um, so that was a big thing. Another thing that I started doing with my kids every single night, every single night we do this thing. Um, I got these really cool meditation cards because I thought, okay, for me, meditation and learning to connect with myself, that is my access to God. Only when I'm actually in my body and I'm in my heart and I'm out of the rest of the world, can I connect with God? Can I feel like I am living in my purpose and I'm hearing him and he's hearing me? Um, I want my kids to learn how to build that connection. I want my kids to know the difference between being out there and being in here. And so I got these really cool meditation cards for kids, these really great meditation cards. And every single night I fan the cards out for the kids. And Ruby usually is the one who picks it. She grabs the card and it's like, oh, um, heart breaths or like rolling waters or what it's a beautiful picture. And on the back of the card, it gives me the parent prompts. And then it gives me like a, um, a couple paragraphs to read to help her sink in and to learn to breathe and to feel and to think and connect to nature in her mind and connect to herself. Uh, and that's been a really cool nightly ritual that we do. So we'll lay in bed and we do those meditation cards and then we do our nightly song and we do our prayer and yeah so overall i will say um the retreat the no tech no computer retreat was a huge win um i didn't even miss my phone or my computer i mean i didn't there were a lot of people that were like oh days one two and three are so hard and for me i was like i i checked it out the door I don't want anyone calling me. If <laughs> they call the main line, it better be an emergency. Um, so it was really, really great. And then I, I actually got home from the retreat. And my plan was before I went, it was like, okay, then I'll hop back on social. I, I didn't want to. I got home and I was like, I'm good. I am going to spend as much time as I want, not out there and only in here. And for once in my life, I'm not judging myself on it because they're not judging me for it. And if they are, that's okay. Um, and I'm going to just be with myself and my kids and let this play out how it is. And uh, it was a great, much needed break. And it definitely was another thing that allowed me to come back feeling refreshed. And I believe that was a huge part. That, that one week retreat, it while it worked in the moment and it worked when i was there i do believe that like most things of great magnitude um it continues to work long after the retreat's over so it's like and and a lot of it is subconscious work so what happens is it's in my brain it's programmed in my brain i sat in that room i felt the things that i felt and then integration into the real world and me living my life some of what is there that i might not even be thinking of is actually still working subconsciously on uh on me um so it was a really really cool thing i highly recommend it again the name of the program is on site 
Um, yeah, it was really good. So I want to get to one last question. And then um, I'm going to wrap this up because we're we're approaching an hour here. Um, this was by a very specific person. Uh, she had, uh, she says this, she says, I'm almost 39 and I get frustrated at changes I'm seeing. How Heidi can I feel my best at 40 as a mom? So this is a really, really great question. And I reason I wanted to address this is because I am now 41 years old and soon enough, I'm going to be 42 and I'm never going to be 41 again or 40 or 39 or any age younger. And if I'm being completely honest with you, there has been <clears throat> some struggle in my life over my body and my face aging. Um, and I think it's because hugely in part because it's a reminder that we are mortal like I talked about at the beginning of this episode, and we do not live forever, that, oh my gosh, the things, I, I don't think I ever realized, you guys, man, this is vulnerable too. I don't think I ever realized how much of my worth and my worthiness I placed on my looks until this last year. And that's a really hard thing for me to admit because I think for the most part, I've always kept, kept myself super busy. So I don't even think I noticed, but, um, I, and, and I'm sure a huge part of it is being inside of the business I'm in and, you know, having my face be plastered all over and having my body be a thing that brings people to my app or my different courses or whatever it is. It's without even recognizing it, um, looks have been a huge part. And they were a big part of my life when I was a kid, right? I remember my mom and my dad were both beautiful and strong and all of the things. And I think in my head, there was something planted from a very young age of in order to be enough or in order to be worthy, then I need to look like my mom who is beautiful or in order to be enough and in order to be worthy, I need to be as strong as my dad is because he was really muscular and strong. And so these things as children are ingrained in us and we don't even realize it. And then I think it's all fine and dandy until about this age hits. And I've, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of my friends and it's like, yeah, our, you know, our hair line is starting to change. My hormones are changing. My, you know, there are more wrinkles on my, there's saggier skin. Like there are things, lady parts that are drooping in ways that they were never drooping before. And it, I mean, it's like heartburn. I'm getting heartburn. My, I'm achy. <laughs> so there are, I have to really pay close attention to what I eat, how I treat my body, because I know this is the one body that I get. So suddenly I'm no longer eating to look good. I'm eating to maintain my body, right? So it's not like, okay, I'm eating to lower my body fat and to have these muscles and to get on stage, which at one point in my life, that was a goal. Today, it's like, no, I want to eat real whole natural foods that are going to help me at a cellular level maintain this body and increase the longevity of this body for as far out as I possibly can. Oh yeah, and I want to feel good. Because if I don't feel good, it doesn't matter how good I look. I don't think I look good. 
So one of the things I would say to anyone else out there that's saying, hey, I'm frustrated with the changes in my body. Um, how do I become my best at 40? I'm going to give you the advice that I give myself every damn day. And that is, Heidi, your beauty is so much more than skin deep. So anyone listening, I want you to hear me when I say that your beauty, your brightness, and your light has very little to do with how you look, how your body is keeping up, and it has more to do with the energy and the love that you give off to other people. And I think so often it's easy for us to see this in other people, right? It's so easy for us to, like my friend Kira, for example, um, gosh, I she is one of the most beautiful women I've ever met in my life. And it has, not, she's beautiful on the outside, but I, I'm not even seeing that. I'm not seeing her face. I'm not seeing her body. All I'm doing, I am her energy and her love is so bright and so loud and so beautiful. It so far, I mean, she's electric. She truly is electric. And I can see that in her, right? And I can see it in so many other people in my life who they're, it's not their body, it's not their size, it's not their saggy skin or their lack of their tight skin, it's not their muscles, it's not anything, it's their love, it's what they radiate that actually makes someone beautiful to me. And um, I want you to remember that because I have to remind myself of that often. And I think part of that too because I recognize that true beauty is wisdom and experience and vulnerability and authenticity, um, I recognize that that is, and it's truth. True beauty is truth. Um, that recognition has me continually striving to improve who I am. It continually has me doing something like that on-site retreat, not because I need to fix myself, but it has me doing it because I want to be my absolute best on the inside because that this outside, the shell that I'm so blessed to have, at some point, it's going to be old and it's going to be wrinkly and as my body though is deteriorating or 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 following its natural progression one way, my body and my face, because it will, you guys, and you're gonna see it the whole way, um, my soul and my inside will actually be improving and growing. And that's what's kind of cool about life. You know, it's like we come into this world physically perfect and clean and tight skin and collagen and all of the things, right? And our soul is so new and so um, just, just it's, it's new. And over time, it's like our body will then begin to deteriorate, but our soul is still growing. And as our body does shift and change, I think it does provide more of a pathway for us to, it's, it's almost like having our bodies in tip-top shape, and having our faces young, it I think for some of us, it can become a barrier to deepening our soul and improving our spirit. And 
as the changes start to happen, I'm choosing to see it as a blessing in disguise that's helping me connect to what's been the most important all along, but I was never able to see it because focus may have unintentionally been somewhere else. Uh, Now, that being said, you know, beauty is more than skin deep. I do want to say that I want to remind, I I just said this a little bit ago, we only have one body and how we care for our bodies now um, will determine the longevity that our soul has in this body on this planet right? So if we're not caring for our bodies, if we're not eating healthier foods, if we're not striving daily to figure out how to reduce stress, uh, 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 calm our agitated nervous systems, right? If we're constantly in that fight or flight, we have cortisol release, all sorts of things are going to happen to our bodies that are not favorable and will decrease our lifespan. Our soul can't keep growing on this earth. So I think it is very, very important that we understand when you start to feel these shifts and these changes at 39, for me, it was about 40, 41, um, that I really started to say, oh my God, I mean, just within the past year uh, with the anxiety attacks where it was like, oh my gosh, I got to start taking care of this body even more. It's not about proteins, carbs, and fats. Yes, those are important. It's super important for me to know macro balances, but it's even deeper than that. And it's even deeper than my micronutrients and the vegetables and the fruits. It's deeper than that. It's deeper than my water intake. It's deeper than exercising my body. It's, you know, it's deep enough. We're getting to cold plunge. We're getting to sauna. We're getting to all these things, but it's even deeper than that. It's deeper than, that it's more of a soul or a spiritual thing that then helps my body follow the path, the best path to longevity. So um, I hope this helps. Take care of your body. I don't feel like you need to do everything perfectly though. I think um, as with anything that we teach in transformation, we say it is small baby steps made every single day that add up to long-term change and growth. Um, so that being said, if you're sitting there and, and, and Hey, to end this episode, I've talked about a lot of different things. And to be honest, (laughs) right now at this point in time, I don't remember all the things I've talked about because I just kind of go, um, I just speak, but I do encourage everybody listening to find that one gold nugget. What was the one thing today? In this episode, this Q&A episode, this thank you episode, because this is a thank you for you. What is the one thing that resonated with you? What is the one thing that resonated that could evoke change in one direction of your life? Remember, one tiny little change will have a ripple effect in every other area of your life. So maybe today, what I want to invite you to do is to think of one little step that you can take today and implement every single day as a result of listening to this podcast to make an even better you, Um, whether it's, you know, daily meditation, because that's something we talked about, whether it's giving yourself the grace and the compassion to be inside of a winter, whether it's to maybe start considering creation, um, whatever that is for you. Uh, please let me know. Email me. Remember, it's podcast at HeidiPal.net. DM me. Um, 
do anything. Just reach out to me. Let me know how, uh, what, what, let me know what step you're going to take. And um, I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for chatting on my couch. And thank you for loyally being here for me. I really, really do appreciate it. I want you to know that it does not go unnoticed. Um, it's very, very humbling um, to see how much love you give me. And it's super encouraging. And I want you to know that for as long as you'll have me and as long as uh, this all fits in with my life and my kids and my purpose on earth, I will be here podcasting and sharing with you. So if there's more you want to hear, please let me know. Um, I love you. I hear you. I see you. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining me on Heidi's Lane as we navigate this amazing and often humbling highway of life together. As always, it's been such a joy to have you here with me. And I hope that through our conversation today, you found at least one gold nugget or one thing that resonates with you that you can use in your life to help you live a life you love. Because each day truly is a gift. I appreciate you being here. I see you. I hear you. I love you. Until next time, I am Heidi. Heidi.